What's Trending. All right, let's check in on the hot topics. Trending, trending, trending. Well, number one on What's Trending, if you were hoping for a uh, you know a nice night watching college football for four or five hours, well, you didn't have to actually wait for four or five hours. That thing was over well before halftime. Georgia, the national champs in back-to-back years, the largest margin of victory in a bowl game, let alone a national championship game. 65-7, to a 58-point win over TCU. It was just not competitive early, early, early. It wasn't like... Oh, it was like, no, it was 10-7, but even when it was 10-7 for that 90 seconds that it was 10-7. Before Georgia went down and scored another yeah. touchdown? They had no answer. It kind of sucked, though, honestly, because you were you still won a competitive game, and it was awful. I mean, Georgia I get was it. Dominant, dominant. It doesn't mean that there's just, like, no chance. I mean, we got two excellent of the three final games in college football. Two of them were phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, truly excellent games, fun games to watch all around. But yeah, when it came down to the title game, it's just a complete blowout. Next up on what training local college hoops tonight, K-State versus Oklahoma State. That's at 6 o'clock right here on 610 Sports Radio. And KU will take on Oklahoma down in Norman as well. Just keeping an eye on all the local schools. Everything holds with where they're at. Can they make it consecutive weeks with teams ranked in the top 25? And uh, KU and K-State a week from tonight. We'll play in the Sunflower Showdown out at Bramlage Coliseum in Manhattan. So it's setting up to be potentially a top 10 matchup. So K-State can keep on winning. Next up on What's Trending, we know the coaching carousel's going on, and it's been a couple weeks now that Nathaniel Hackett have been, has been let go by the Broncos. There's a report out that Matt LaFleur is considering bringing back, or at least is open to the idea of bringing back Nathaniel Hackett, who, of course, was on his staff. Fine. Yeah, why, why not? I mean, as a, again, that's one thing is with Cliff Kingsbury as well. Guy that fails as a head coach can be a great offensive coordinator. That happens all the time. Some guys are just meant to be OCs. Nathaniel Hackett will never get an opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL again. That's how disastrous it was. OC, though, go back to play. Go back to be with Aaron Rodgers. Great decision if they are willing to accept him. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers actually cost. He would cost more against the Packers cap next year if they traded him than if they just let yeah, him play. The question play. with him is, is he going to retire, right? Yeah, that's the, that's it still costs him a lot if he retired, but yeah, you're but right. find the Packers, like, I'm like, you got to give me, we're not playing this game again. Like, you find the pack, we're not doing this. Wait till you tell your day, take your damn ayahuasca or whatever trip <laughs> and come back. You know, you got to make your decision sooner than, than last year. Next up on Watch Trading, big news in baseball. Carlos Correa has signed his third $200 million <laughs> plus deal money. in hey, the NFL offseason or in the MLB offseason. Unfortunately, he doesn't get all he those. He doesn't. The Mets deal okay. fell through. Now Carlos Correa reportedly heading to the Twins, <laughs> who he signed a three-year deal with just last season, as you remember, and then opted out of the final year. It is pending a physical, <laughs> which I think is important to note, seeing how he's failed two of those in a row. The potential deal will be six years and $200 million. Can max out at $270 million. Reportedly, the Mets' final offer was eight years and $210 million and had a chance to max out at $125 million more. If he had stayed healthy through the deal, I don't know how bad his knee is, but it clearly causes problems. I honestly think that this is actually, I wouldn't call it shrewd by the Twins because it's a $200 million player from who people are very worried about the injury, but they obviously formed a good enough relationship with him that they are taking way less risk than those other teams were potentially taking. Well, it's So also, it's risky, there's no <laughs> doubt, but I like this move by the Twins. The dollar amount's also lowered because it's the third team. Yeah. And it's, it's January 10th and he can't pass a physical with any team. It's a, I think At it's a good move by the Twins. It also comes back to the same thing. and be like, boy, that, that market's not real much bigger than Kansas City there, is it? And they're signing $200 million players. This is the richest contract, or will be if there it goes go. through. The go. richest contract in Minnesota Twins history. I think a lot of it comes down to me for this. Eventually, the Royals are going to have to play this game. 
I know that you hate the risk or whatever, or everybody does, but at some point, John Sherman's going to have to pay someone $200 million or $300 million and just take the damn chance that it works. Because have, not yeah. playing the game gets you absolutely nowhere. You have to have a player that's worthy of it. Right now, they don't in the organization. Not yet. No. No, right? because Bobby Wood Jr. hasn't proven to that's be a $300 million yeah. player yet. If he yeah. goes out there and has a great season this year, then we could have a real conversation. Like, we all hope that... I hope that's a decision they're going to have to make because that means Bobby Wood Jr. is playing like that kind of player. Yeah, but right Dansby now, Swanson, you could have signed for 177 sure. million, yeah, right? You, you could choose I, that. Yeah, you and I talked about Dansby, Dansby Swanson setup. Uh, if they're going to spend that kind of money, that's not a homegrown talent. Go get a damn pitcher. I'm yeah, not. I don't want to. Sure. I don't want to get it out Give of Give it to Rod Home. Correct. Yeah. Uh, Next up on what's trending, more coaching uh, situation in the NFL. The Panthers reportedly have requested an interview for their head coaching vacancy with former Chiefs assistant Mike Kafka, who, of course, did a great job this year as the OC calling the plays for the New York Giants. He made that Giants offense good enough, to say the least, to get into the postseason with very little weapons, I might add, on offense. No, they they had almost – he should probably win coach of the year. I, I would make a strong argument for Andy, for anybody who will listen. But Brian Dable took a bad team with no roster and bad quarterback play, and he got into the postseason. That matters. Lastly, on what training, Patrick Mahomes announced this morning as a new co-owner of the KC Current. He'll join the ownership group along his wife, Brittany Mahomes, who actually was a part of it very early when the Longs had bought the team just a couple of years ago. But Patrick Mahomes going to go ahead and join the family business. That'll be the (laughs) third team he has some ownership stake in the city, sporting the current and, of course, the Kansas City Royals. He's the first active uh, NFL player to uh, own any sort of stake in a NWSL team. I mean, why not, honestly? I mean, on both ends. If you're, He's been a big supporter. If you are any of these organizations or any organization, period, that can get the Mahomes name attached to your company, to your organization, why on earth would you not want that? We don't know what share of the company or the, the, the ownership and all that and what kind of financial actual investment it is. That's not the point. You have Patrick Mahomes attached to your team. That's a great thing for you from marketing in and everything. I would think so. I mean, you borderline almost just give him the ownership shake for free. I'm sure he just, you know, whatever it is, it seems like a good partnership. And honestly, he's at as many Casey current games as anyone in the city. It seems like there's photos of him there every week. So he's been a very good supporter of all the local teams. Not a bad thing that he's going to own or part own, not fully own. Yeah. Have some ownership stake in yet another Kansas City squad. That's what's trending here on Cody and Gold. Don't forget, though, coming up on Friday, it is our beer release party out at Cinderblock Brewing in North KC. We had a great time last year. The place was packed. Fantastic playoff Pilsner. We're doing that all over again, kicking off the postseason. Uh, and we cannot wait to be out there on Friday night. Hope to see you guys. We'll be talking some football, just hanging out, having some great drinks. And uh, Dusty will be broadcasting his show, his night show, uh, starting at 6 o'clock there as well. So come on by. We hope to see everybody out there. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be a ton of fun. Also, breaking news. Despite the fact Nick Schwartz will not be in attendance on Friday, we did still get the email about not getting too drunk. we did. We did. So, yeah, I guess you're off the hook, Nick. Yeah, it was uh, it was a little shorter than normal. It wasn't as stern as normal directed towards Nick, but there was still a little warning about, you know, not not getting too drunk. It said it'll be a quick the exact wording said quick note before Friday's beer party. Nick won't be there, so this will be a shorter email than normal if you're looking for the exact wording mm, on that. Okay. So, clearly, you know, less worried about it, but also So know. now that Nick's out of the equation, who's most likely to be that guy? Because Nick was the clear answer before. Uh, yeah, it was obviously always Nick. Uh, Bink? He likes beer. Yeah, but he can hold his own, I feel like. Because yeah, he, he can drink, drink more he, than the rest of us. He drinks quite a bit of beer. Um, I don't want it to be me. I don't think it's me. 
it's Bink or you or Dusty. Me? Why Dusty's me more on than the, you? Dusty's on the air. Dusty's though. on the air. That's a completely so that's, different yeah, element. So that's that's just that's just casual sipping of beer throughout the show. I think for Dusty. Why more me than you? One, you're going to proximity. Also, some of it's proximity. You live, a, you know, you can walk home. It's not that close, but it is close to my house. I can take a very short Uber ride. No, I it will not be me. I have an early. I have to get up very early the next day, so it will be a, a very. It won't be a very long night for me. You just refuse to get hungover and work. Not uh, even one I time. Have to get, I have to get up at five thirty the next day. So what? I'm not gonna. I don't want to feel like bleep. You could just sleep for part of it. You could take a little nap before the NFL playoff game starts. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't. That's exactly what I don't want to have to do. Why don't you like napping? No, I like naps, but not. During NFL playoffs. And he said before. Yeah, but when's the first game start Saturday? 3.30, I think. Is that really when the first one starts? Yeah, it's 3.30 and then primetime. Yeah, it's just two games. Come on, So man. a nap from like 11 little to noon, 1. 1 o'clock you, nap, yeah. Come on, go go out, have a good time. It it's not about Phil Nick's voice. being hungover. You guys yeah. are, you're not, that's not the, the issue yeah. is not being tired at 4 in the afternoon Saturday. The issue is that I am getting up at 5.30 on Saturday morning. Yeah, how long do you so have to I, be up for? Till 11. You've never had to get up super Fine. early hungover? Not once? Not when I'm on video as well. It's one thing if I just had to do a radio show and I could look like crap and just roll in. I have It'd to be actually fine. be on camera. Fred. You're on camera morning. every day in here? And it's, do you always look your best? We're not here at 5.30 in the morning or at 6 o'clock in the morning. So what? It's different. You Come on. I'm not going to be there. Will you drink on behalf of me? Drink for you and Nick. For yeah. both of you. You're buying, right? That's what you, the promo says. I'll so. buy my own drink, drinks for but you. But I'm drinking on behalf of you. So <laughs> you have buying. to drink them like I would drink them. So that means every other so one he'll pay for. And so I, get, I mean, and you're really I, earning them by drinking them. I get to decide Te- when I stop drinking. Text line's guessing <laughs> Rob, by the way. They said Rob. They think Rob's a lightweight. That's just I'm just reading the text. Just reading the text that says Rob. I don't know that to be accurate. I don't know Rob either. also will drink like a pint of Guinness at like yeah. 8.30 in the morning watch to watch Premier League. Guinness, Guinness, Chelsea. Guinness are surprisingly light. Like, people think the Guinness are like these thick, What's, heavy beers. They're not. Only like 5% alcohol. Yeah, I don't like Guinness. I'm looking for this. The Pilsner was awesome last year, and we're doing another playoff Pilsner, though. Dude, I just, is Friday there anything night. better than a crisp Pilsner on a Friday night? <laughs> the way you said that. I what? Just, I didn't like it. I don't know. I mean, I yes know. is my answer to that. I, I'm going to enjoy this Pilsner on this Friday night. <laughs> I don't know that I can beat that to this Friday. But I don't know that I, I want to just lock in every Friday night not being beaten by a Chris Pilsner. I don't know, man. I, I just, like, you haven't offered up anything that could beat it, so. I guess I'll workshop that and get back to you. We'll get to all 32 in the NFL coming up in about eight minutes or so. Watching the broadcast and listening to the broadcast on Saturday as the Chiefs took care of the Raiders. We know it was a game where there was no McCall Hartman, so it was continued opportunities for some other guys. And Kadarius Toney, when he has the ball in his hands, is as fun to watch as anybody in the league. Nobody can shift and cut as quick as he can. And Lewis Riddick, who I think we all know is pretty well connected within the Chiefs organization and uh, has been outspoken at times about Chiefs personnel decisions in terms of uh, players, maybe even kind of getting ahead of the curve, if you will, right? He, he mentioned during the broadcast that he was told by Brett Veach that he believes in a few weeks, Kadarius Tony could be the best receiver the Chiefs have on the roster. Do you think so? Brett Veach well, says some stuff, it. and sometimes I don't believe him, but then other times he says things like in the NFL draft, he's like, there's a thousand yard rusher in the seventh round of the NFL draft this year is going to go undrafted. And then he drafted Isaiah Pacheco, who's a thousand yard rusher essentially in the seventh round of the undrafted part. 
and some of the gushing that happened about Mahomes at the time leading into it yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. Like he makes these bold proclamations relatively regularly and he's right on them relatively regularly, right? I think he actually does believe that he possesses more talent than any other wide receiver that is currently on their roster. And that includes Juju Smith-Schuster. And if you just look at it from that perspective, like he's more talented sure. than anyone else we have at wide receiver, then I don't think that it's completely disingenuous to think that that's possible. But with Tony, can he be on the field? Yeah, that's the thing. Like from a pure talent, the guy was drafted in the first round for a reason. Yeah. Right. You don't just act. You can be bust in the first round happens every year. Multiple bust. But, but usually physically it's not gifted. By, there, it's not by accident that you ended up being projected as a first round pick, though. Even if you think a team drafted someone five spots too early, you you had some incredible talent coming out of college, and there's no debating that with Kadarius Tony. But you hit on it right there. I think that's the key. Like as he's making those cuts, like whatever you got to do, keep those hamstrings healthy, man. <laughs> whatever you got to do during the bye week, keep those hamstrings good to go, Kadarius. That's kind of the goal. I think also let's not let's not kid ourselves. Kadarius Tony is someone that Brett Veach traded in season four. Yeah. We know he liked coming out of college as well. The move we looked at is a long-term move. Turns out they're getting more in the short term than we thought. We're going to find out long-term. I, I think if you're looking towards this offseason where Juju's future is up in the air, it's, you know, publicly Juju, of course, is saying that he, you know, he, he loves Kansas City and all that. Okay, but we'll see when the money's there for other teams and, and whether the Chiefs can be as competitive there or not. And if they're not, how much do you really love KC? Nobody should fault Juju if he decides to go somewhere else because the money is that much greater. That's just reality of the business. But Juju may not be back. McCall Hardman, I told you, I think there's an increased likelihood of him coming back only because of the uh, injuries that he suffered this year and hasn't played much. But so, okay, McCall, let's say uh, he is back. Let's just say he comes back. Then you're looking at Sky Moore, MVS, assuming they don't cut him, and Kadarius Toney. So they're, I mean, that that's kind of what they're hoping. I'm sure is more, you know, as much as anything that he ends up being that kind of guy, but the health is where that's, the limitation has always been for Tony. That's why you simply cannot entertain this conversation until he plays a full NFL season, like at least 15 games, 14, 15 games, right? Cause if you're not going to do that, no number one is that. And I think that some of this is not an indictment on Juju. That's probably not the best way to put it, but it speaks to the limitations of Juju Smith-Schuster. The time, the second year in the league, when he was like a 1,500-yard wide receiver and it looked like Juju could have been a number one wide receiver, I think what's happened with Juju, and I think that this is a fair evaluation of who he is, Juju Smith-Schuster is probably the one of, if not the best, number two wide receiver you can have on your roster. He's really solid. He's nice to have around. There's a lot of things Juju Smith-Schuster does really well. He's not a one. He's never going to be a one. He is... Firmly in the strong number two wide receiver category. He's one of the best of that, but he's still limited to that. And with Tony, because of the speed or explosiveness or these things, people still see this like hope or because like if, if Kadarius Tony played well, like his full season, his rookie year could have been a six or 700 yard receiver. And you would have thought, oh, wow, what growth could we see from there? And he was doing that with no quarterback play. So there's definitely still some upside, but I'm still pretty confident that we haven't found the Chiefs number one wide receiver yet. Yeah, and they're fortunate I, because Travis Kelsey's on their roster, so they don't have to worry. And about that's it. truly, as long as Kelsey is continuing to play at this level or somewhere close, and there isn't a drastic downfall statistically, you don't have to have what you're calling or how you're phrasing it as this legit number one wide receiver because. He is that legit number one wide receiver, Travis Kelsey. 
Of course he is. He and goes so for that, 1,300 and, and, yards right. a year. So until that's no longer what you're getting from Kelsey, you're able to do what you're doing. And I think Juju, by the way, part of it is he's not as flashy as some of the guys that you're referencing that are legit number ones too, right? Juju's a possession wide receiver. He's going to go across the middle. He can, it's misleading. He can get yards after the catch. He's done that plenty. He's this very year. good at that. Yeah. Um, so, and, and if you know, you got to stay healthy and fair, but he was, he was going to be a thousand or 1100 yard receiver. Everybody was talking him up and praising the hell out of him uh, until the, the unfortunate concussion and dangerous hit that he suffered in the Jags game. Um, Kadarius Tony, it's also health. And we have, we've seen, you know, four game spurts in his career, three game spurts, barely. In his career. Yeah, and this last um, game was like 50 total yards. We're making a big deal out of 50 fun. total yards. He's fun to watch. He's, he's flashy. He sure is flashy. And it's, it is fun. It is a lot of fun. Here's what's going to happen. If, if he has a huge postseason, and it doesn't have to mean that he's getting 100-yard receiving days, but to your point, 50-plus yards a game, a touchdown, but he's, he's, just, he's just quick and he's fun to watch. The hype of Kadarius Tony heading into next season is going to be insane. Um, because of comments like Lewis Riddick's, because of uh, what you pay, potentially can see. Hey, man, what if, he, what if he's out there actually for 16 games go, or 17 games? What if what if that's actually possible? Let's see if he can make it but through the whole postseason. if he plays nine again next year, Let, then we're not, Yeah, let, let's see if he can make it through the whole postseason healthy. Can we start there? Like, if the Chiefs play in three postseason games, which means they're going to the Super Bowl if that happens, can he play in all three of those? Because as much as I want to just say the time he wasn't getting on the field for the Giants was that, they also said he was dealing with a hamstring thing. So he missed the early part of the season. He missed a big chunk of his rookie year as part of that, six, seven games. No, it's very year. clear that he was not injured this year. That he it was just not working out with the I Giants. You know, so I thought that, but then... The second three, he got to Kansas City, I, he was healthy. I understand, but then three, two weeks later, three weeks later, he, he had a hamstring injury. I mean, that's, we know, like, that can't that's come the and, same injury reportedly I, he had in New York. Because I'm with you, Nate. That's exactly what it looked like. Like, okay, suddenly I'm out of that crappy situation. I got Patrick Mahomes. That hamstring feels real good now. But to his, in fairness to him, yeah, he two, got hurt in a couple weeks. weeks later, hamstring injury. So and he was hurt with a soft tissue thing last year. Like to me, he's not like we talked about this with my general rule of thumb. Before you say the word injury prone is, if you miss significant time in three straight years, you're injury prone, and you just have to live with that fact. Clyde is injury prone. If Kadarius Tony misses six plus games next year, he's also injury prone, which is not one of what you want to put your faith in in your number one wideout. That was Sammy Watkins' eventual problem in Buffalo when he came to Kansas City, he missed a bunch of time too. You can make those guys work. They work in your offense. You can keep them on your roster. They can play for you when they're healthy, and they can make a big difference when they're healthy, like Sammy Watkins in the Super Bowl. They're just not never going to be the guy you totally count on, right? There has to be other reasons that you do that. The Chiefs will constantly be in search, in my opinion, of looking for the number one wideout to go opposite with Kelsey. But I'm pretty sure they got like four years to figure that out before it's a real problem. Maybe longer. I've told you how I feel about Kelsey, but I'm pretty sure they got like three, four years before they have to have that guy. And there'll be the names that fan base will talk about heading into camp. And I already saw yesterday the futures contract stuff comes out again. And those are flyers out of all flyers, ultimate flyers. The Justin Rosses and the John Ross, who also is signed. Like those guys, yeah, those are just, I'm, I'm out, act like they don't exist, Cody, honestly. Act like they don't even exist. Yeah, we didn't even have a topic plan for John Ross. Don't even, uh, yeah. No, I saw someone on the text line mention, well, what about Justin Ross and John Ross? Futures contracts, I'm acting as if they don't even exist. 
If don't they, even exist. If they even, that's, that, if that either of them ever gets 200 yards for this team, it'll Cody, be if a either makes the roster, yeah. like that is the we're talking about futures contracts. You know what I mean? Like the the big threshold for can you make the can you make the the five or six depth chart on the wide receivers? That's that's what I'm at. Anyway, let's get to all 32 uh, in the NFL presented by Anthony Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electric. I don't understand why teams, if the quarterback hasn't shown that they can be a leader and their ability hasn't reached a certain level, why you're willing to give them input in the coaching hire. I get why Aaron Rodgers gets input. I get why Mahomes should and does get some input. I get why Tom Brady go down the list of any of what we consider to be legit. We talked about this. Keep the quarterback happy. But I saw out of Arizona who, of course, got rid of Cliff Kingsbury. They're moving on from Steve Kime, their GM. So they're going to have a new coach and GM combo. We know the quarterback's not going anywhere because of the contract. Okay, that's fine. The report is that they're going to give Kyler some input on the next head coach. Now, I'm hoping this means, for Cardinals fans' sake, that it's like, hey, Kyler, we really like this guy. Here's who we're hiring. What do you think? And he just gets to say, oh, okay. Yeah, I think that I think that works, but they already make up their mind. I'm hoping they're not actually, Kyler says, yeah, you know, I don't know if I really like that guy. He might, you know, he's not a good fit for my personality. Who gives a damn? You don't let Kyler Murray dictate your head coaching decision. You make your head coaching higher based on who your quarterback is. Sure. You as yeah. the owner and you as the GM. You choose a guy who can work with the court. You but Kyler those, yeah. Murray doesn't get to kind of handpick or have strong input. That'd be a dumb decision if I'm the Arizona Cardinals. I just I feel like I just sit in a meeting and be like, hey, we're going to go after this guy. Be like, sound good, man? And he should just, for once in his life, Kyler Murray should just be like, yeah, that sounds fine. Like, don't fight it. <laughs> just, just agree with whatever decision they go along with, man. You got enough big questions going in, coming off of a major injury. You don't need that kind of trouble. I still think Eric Bieniemy is a good fit there. Although, again, his name's not coming up at all in NFL circles right now. For me, the thing that stands out about what's coming into this postseason was Jerry Jones, who speaks every week to 105.7 The Fan. Down in Dallas was talking about his head coaching situation. Mike McCarthy, will he be the head coach? He was simply asked, will what happens in their wild card game against Tampa Bay impact his decision to fire him? And for a second, he was getting ready to put a bunch of caveats on. He's like, oh, no, I don't need to do that. This game will not determine whether Mike McCarthy is a coach. I have way more things to go on than just what one game means, which to me, you should take, like, he's trying to turn that into a positive. What that actually means is he'll fire him if he wants to anyway. Mike McCarthy can win this game and another game, and he might still fire his ass, really, if Sean Payton is available. I think it comes down to this for Dallas. If they can get Sean Payton or they think they can get Sean Payton, they're going to still be more than willing to walk on them. But honestly, if McCarthy loses to a 9-8 and eight Tampa Bay Bucks squad, there is a reasonable reason to be upset about what they've done. They've got a high-priced quarterback. They've got a lot of talent. they got a lot of talent across the field. they got one of the league's backs defenses. If you can't even get past the worst division winner, then yeah, you got problems at head coach a little bit because this is a game that they should absolutely win, even if it's against Tom Brady. All right. Thank you, Doom. Thank you, Gloom. The promised princes of negativity. I don't think mine was gloomy at all. I think yours was very gloomy. You were talking about how the Cardinals can't do this. Cody's no, talking about how said, the Cowboys uh, can't said, do that. So the Cardinals should not let their quarterback decide uh, who they hire. I'm going to talk about somebody who can do something, which is Get Brock fired. Purdy. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant can make history. Did you know he was Mr. Irrelevant? Yeah, I, I am familiar. I wasn't That's aware. Not this enough is going to be like people. if you played basketball in college. We're never going to hear Not enough people have covered the fact that Brock Purdy was the last pick (laughs) in this past year's NFL draft. It is startling to see a guy like that in the situation that he's in 
and not be doubted entering the postseason. The Niners enter the playoffs with the fourth highest Super Bowl odds, second in the NFC behind the Eagles. Now, we know all about the roster, right? Their collection of skill players, probably the best in the NFL, certainly the best it's incredible in the NFC when you think about McCaffrey, Kittle, and uh, Ayuk and Debo. The fact that nobody is really doubting their ability to get to the Super Bowl probably speaks to the NFC at large. There is not a juggernaut like you have three of in the AFC, but I feel like this would be bigger than Nick Foles winning the Super Bowl. Right, because Nick yes. Foles, at least we knew who Nick Foles was. He was at, at one point, point a career. high draft pick, or you know, it was like a middle. But he was like a starting caliber quarterback. He was a veteran. People, he was a veteran. Yeah, right? He was yeah. not a he was not Very a rookie different. quarterback who had half a season under his belt. If if the Niners go on to win the Super Bowl, would this be amongst the most shocking quarterback Super Bowl runs that the league has ever uh, seen? Second to probably Tom Brady. So it's Tom tough Brady, now. It's you got to remember, I know, hindsight. but we know at that time, Tom Brady was essentially Brock Purdy. He took over from the number one overall pick, Drew Bledsoe, took over because of injury and then took a team to a championship, being a sixth rounder at a Michigan that nobody had heard of. I know now we know who Tom Brady is, but that's essentially what happened. He was like Brock yeah, Purdy so in the first year, right? We know everything's yeah. different, but that's who he was. That's a good comparison. Obviously, now he's the greatest quarterback of all time. We don't know what Brock Purdy's going to end up being. For all we know, Brock Purdy's going to end up We know being, that's his ceiling. Yeah, like, we know for, <laughs> we he's know made for, a question about Trey Lance. Like he's we, made them question yeah. their number three overall I mean, pick. We, I mean, 10 years from now, we could be saying Brock Purdy, well, I remember that four-game run he had, and now he's not even in the league. We could also be saying, man, he's... Two, he's got two Super Bowl rings, and, yeah. and he's going to be a Hall of Famer. We don't know. That's why I actually think Joe Flacco is still probably the more realistic path, where it's like Joe Flacco, he won the ring. but Oh, career path. Okay. Yeah, career path. Yeah, he not, won the not ring, the but he was never a top 10 quarterback in yeah. the NFL. I mean, yeah. That's still the more likely scenario here. But Kyle Shanahan might have the most foolproof offense in the NFL based on all of its collection of pieces right now. Yeah. Because uh-huh. it seems like you could put almost any quarterback with their team this year and win. Text line says Kurt Warner. Grocery bags. Yeah, bag he had the story. He had the story. Oh, well, yeah, know. the underdog story in films. Is that what it's in called? Theaters is or that what we call it? it? I never saw it. But he was a, he was he didn't like win his rookie year, you know? That's no, what feels he was a little different. He was undrafted and all those yeah. things. Like, I just want to just want to get a quick poll here. Would anybody be shocked if the Niners won the Super Bowl? Shocked? No. I, I still am not as sold on them as uh, some people are, which is like, no, they're gonna be in the they're gonna be in the Super Bowl. I'm I'm not quite there, but I don't think you can be shocked. I mean, this team is the hottest team in football other than Cincinnati, and that defense is absolutely legit, and they still have Debo and Christian McCaffrey. So And Ayuk, who is their leading receiver this year, and yeah. George Kittle, who's a touchdown machine. It's like, okay. That system, and we're, we'll eventually one day we'll find out really what Brock Purdy is, but like that system fits really well for a quarterback coming in. If there was any system you said a quarterback midseason as a rookie would come in, that is the best system because of the talent around them and, yep. and what they're asking you to do. Like in the Chiefs offense, you got to go win games playing quarterback with the way they play. Yeah, this one is like just throw to one of these four super athletes. Good yeah. luck. <laughs> oh, oh, also, we have the best run scheme in the NFL. So bye. I just make that handle. That feels like the dream and scenario. The number one defense. Me. Yeah. So it's- Boy, can you imagine, though, that what's funny about this is like now that we've seen Brock Purdy play this way, if Trey Lance had played the entire season, could you imagine the hype that would have left the building on him? Yeah. Because if he had just, that's what's crazy. If he had just played essentially Brock Purdy level, but for the entire year, finished with 30 touchdowns and seven interceptions, right? That's about double the Brock Purdy numbers. Here's the, You'd have been yeah. like, oh, my God, is Trey Lance going to be a top five quarterback next year? The weird thing is with Trey Lance, they, of course, were running the ball more with the quarterback. That was his part of his skill set. And so, like, Brock Purdy, they're, 
pretty basic. Like they're they're, they're not running very basic. So mm-hmm. in a weird way, like I know we're like, oh, just plug him. In. There's a chance they actually would not be as good yet because he might be making would more mistakes. Would they have traded for Christian McCaffrey? All of that, all of that, you know, this is what's fun about it. But there you go. That's all 32 presented by Anthony Plumbing. Heating, cooling, and electric. Up next, though, something NFL teams have got to stop doing. We've got evidence to tell you what that is next. Gold brought to you by Gan Asphalt and Concrete. For asphalt, concrete, and parking lot maintenance, Gan Asphalt and Concrete. One contractor, all things parking lot. Trusted in Kansas City since 1994. Online at gannasphalt.com. Don't miss the Chiefs Red Half Hour every day at 1130 on your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Back here on Cody and Gold, Alex Gold, Cody Tapp, Nick Schwart with you. Nate Taylor from The Athletic joining us in studio coming up at 1 o'clock. We'll get into some of the coaching stuff with Nate Taylor at 1. Also uh, talk a bit more about those comments that uh, Lewis Riddick had based off of what Brett Veach had told him around Kadarius Tony. What is uh, Nate kind of hearing about the long-term future at the wide receiver spot for this football team? And, of course, we'll talk playoffs with Nate and the path for the Chiefs. Two wins away. Sounds simple. Not. Two wins away, though, from going to... Another Super Bowl, of course, this would be back out in uh, Phoenix where the Chiefs opened up their season. Well, we all joked about that in week one, and there's a chance they're, they're, they're two away from that actually becoming reality. The one thing as we're going through this coaching situation across the league and all these openings, and we've seen who's been fired. And Cliff Kingsbury was a college head coach prior. Matt Rule, fired in week five, was a college head coach. And the ringer pointed this out a little bit, too, in, in an article they had put up looking at the track record of college coaches and why on earth should NFL owners slash GMs go hire a college coach? Because where's the track record of success? There is over the history of the league. There's guys like what? Jimmy Johnson. Oh, uh, Bill Walsh. You know, but here recently, we're talking about last 20 years, current football, last 15, 20 years, right? Last 15 or 20 years. Who's had success? Not Jim Harbaugh. That's it. That's, that's it. I mean, like, why why should you go hire a college coach to be your head coach? Here's the thing. It's it only falls in three categories. There is one guy who won. Then the other three categories are a couple of mediocre ones, ones where it went bad and ones where it went catastrophic. And there's just as many that went catastrophically bad as were mediocre. Right. The Bill O'Brien's of the world, who was 52 and 48 in his NFL head coaching career, or Chip Kelly, who is 26 and 21, or Butch Davis, if you want, who is 24 and 35. Butch like, even though I'm being generous, right? And I'm calling those runs mediocre. There's a lot more bad and catastrophic, way more. And there's only one real success story, one, and it's Jim Harbaugh. That's the only one that you can point to in the last 20 years that has had any kind of success. Here's the difference. The NFL and college have separated themselves as a sport so far during that time versus in the 80s when yeah. they used to work. You cannot dip into that. It's a dip. They're such different sports. Yeah, and I see a lot of people. I mean, the text line's full. Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll. We brought him up earlier, guys, but he remember so he, 20 years he in the NFL first. NFL assistant, NFL coach for the Patriots, then went to USC, as we all know, had success there, then got out, went to Seattle, won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks. So yeah, he's not a, he, he wasn't a first time NFL head coach going from college. I guess if you want to throw that caveat in there, that's why Pete Carroll. And fine. You want to toss him in? It's still a losing situation. 
I can tell you right now, there's 20 guys on this list, right? Pretty much, even if we include Pete Carroll. All right, so 18 have failed and two work, and that's the method you want to do? Like, what is the normal success rate of hiring any coach? It's not that low. It might be 50-50 or it might be 30% of the time it works or 35% of the time it works or you feel like there's some sort of – but it's it's at least better than that. I get it. I mean, I, I get including Pete Carroll. But he was with the NFL from 1985 until 1999. He then spent eight years at USC and then he went back to Seattle. He spent way yeah, he's not a more. He's, he's not the, the, the college coach becomes NFL head coach story. No, he's not. He's not Matt Rule, right? Because this is what we're talking about. We're talking about college coaches. We're talking Urban Meyer, Matt Rule, Chip Kelly, right? Nick Saban. He's the greatest college coach of all time, and he couldn't make it work. Like, it doesn't really. He had veterans asking him who the bleep he thought he was talking to. <laughs> Yeah, like, I'm one of the most successful coaches ever. You, know, you don't get to do that care. at Alabama. Yeah, the inability to adjust to 28-year-old veterans making $35 million there, in their career already versus the 18-year-old kid prior to NIL days that wasn't, quote-unquote, making any money, right, and was an 18-year-old kid, and you were, the, you were the, the boss, truly. And you could probably get away with a hell of a lot more. And you still can at college as a head coach than you ever could things to say that, uh, you know, to a 25 year old, 28 year old adult. Is that going to change? Like, do do we think, do we think in any way that like NIL, because like, if you listen to like guys like Dabo Swinney, he's like, I'll quit if it goes this way. He gets so upset about it. Was that that your Dabo? It doesn't matter. I was just being like a, I was like trying to make him sound like he was crying. I don't know if that was your Dabo. Kind of. He's got a different draw than that. But when you look at what Dabo and those other guys talk, wouldn't NIL bring this a little bit closer in dealing with the personalities and money? Like, if you got to deal with Arch Manning, but you got to deal with Arch Manning who's making, like, $5 million in NIL money in college, it's probably a little bit deep. Like, I don't think I – in the transfer portal, right? Yeah. I don't have to listen to you anyway. I can just leave. I'll get the hell out of here. You can only hold on to me for a year and be a jerk for a year, and then I can ditch. Like, I do wonder if in and a 10-year time period, maybe <laughs> we can have a different conversation. But still, the other part about coaching in college is – you have such a disproportionate disadvantage. We don't actually know who the best football coaches are, if that makes sense. Nick Saban's the best recruiter or motivator. of. Men. We don't know who the best football coaches are sometimes because the talent disproportionate to the rest of your scheduling sometimes is insane. I just think also if you, I mean, if we're talking about the elite coaches like Saban, like Dabo, those coaches, you're right, that someone can transfer after a year if they want, but they also can get away because they are known as the best. Like, you go to the yeah. NFL, if you're Nick Saban, we saw play, like, who, it is truly, who the hell are you're you? You haven't, yeah. you haven't done anything here in the NFL. I don't care what you did at Alabama. But when you're, if you're Nick Saban, you're at Alabama now. Everybody you knows. You know, so you can get away with a little bit more. I mean, that's just the reality. You can get away with a little bit more in that situation. And if you're a top recruit and you have your choice of where to go, you do know right now that Alabama and Georgia, if you want to win a national championship, those are the two schools I want to go to. If, I, if my only goal is to win, is to win that, it, let's take NIL out of it, which there's plenty of that to go with Alabama too, but sure. let's take that out of it for a second. Those are the only two places. Only two play, if, I want to ju- if my only goal is win a title, not that it's the necessarily 100% the most playing time, not that it's 100%, just win a title. And right now the answer is Georgia, by the way. That is the only answer, truly. That's a favorite to win it. No college teams ever won it three times in a row, right? Don't believe so. Not in the modern era. Nick, Maybe you're a Heisman voter. Would... Are you required yeah, to know that like information? Nick's a historian of the game should be. Yeah, go ahead and phrase the question. Rephrase <laughs> the question for me. No, I has anybody I ever won three in a row? Nobody's ever won three national titles in a row in college football. Correct? Man, that's just like a loaded question. I think uh, 
What? In the <laughs> in the modern era, in the modern era of college football, I don't I don't believe it's been done. Uh, Did you watch the, the entire Minnesota, game, by the way? The Minnesota yeah. Golden Gophers back in 1934, baby. 34, 35, and 36. It's kind of crazy that like, Notre yeah. Dame never did it. That um, Yeah, Bernie Bierman, the Gophers, back-to-back 8-0 campaigns. Bernie Bierman, classic <laughs> 1930s football coach. I can't believe as a Heisman voter, you couldn't just right away go Bernie Bierman, 1935. Uh, he said he watched the entire game because if you hadn't, I thought I think you should have given up your vote. You have to watch the entirety I watch, of games I watched, like this. I watched every single second of that game, and I watched the post-game are you, celebration. Uh, are, do you regret not having Stetson Bennett higher after watching what he's done the last no, two weeks? No, you don't weeks? bet on, you don't just on the Heisman based off what you do in the postseason. Just asking. Just asking. No. No, I don't. Um, it was funny seeing how early that game ended. It was like, I wondered if they even went out and celebrated because they spent the whole second half celebrating. Like, the celebration began two hours before yeah, the game officially it. ended. Like, if you're a Georgia student... You weren't waiting for the clock to hit zero <laughs> to like head down to downtown and start lighting stuff on fire Athens. and going crazy. Like you were doing that at halftime. The game was you, over. Well, you saw the video of the the player that went over to the at, at SoFi Stadium. They have like those their suites are like field yeah. level, and a player went over and grabbed a plate of food. They should have <laughs> let them start smoking the cigars during the game. Oh, and by man. the way, can we figure out <laughs> why? 58. Like Joe Burrow, twenty nineteen. That I think that LSU team is the one that brought back yes. smoking cigars. How mm-hmm. come basketball teams can't do it? I don't know. Can they not, or do they just choose why, not to? Why I think they, they just it? haven't done it. I think nobody's yeah. done it yet. Smaller group of, you know, you're, you're only talking about 12 guys on that roster, or whatever, versus, uh, you know, 60, 70 players in, the, in on a college football field. So, as far as the Did roster, you want to see a Kansas basketball player smoking a cigar today? No, the game? actually, I think it's actually better that they're not smoking cigars because that means they. They respect the uh, the notion of secondhand smoke, and they were paying attention to Dare <laughs> when they were in grade school. I think that we should make our 2023 show goal. One, to buy that $2,000 basket. But secondly, to get you to vote for something else important. I want you to get you an AP top 25 vote. Dude, those are hard to come by. I tried to get one. I tried to get one this last year. Jesse Newell, who went (laughs) over to the Chiefs beat, relinquished his vote. And I was like, yo, who do I need to talk to? And he was kind of like, it's above my pay grade. I think we get you on the Ray Guy Award list. The Ray so, Guy Award, fine. Yeah, you can vote for like, the best punter I in the wanna, league. I want to get you to vote. Gladly. I don't, I don't care if it's Big 12 awards. I want to get you another vote. I want to get you a second vote this year. Okay. I'm, I'm, that's, I mean, it's a great resolution for me. I think we need to talk to the Augusta Sports Council. They do the, uh, the Ray Guy Award, and uh, we'll see if we can get a vote. Okay. Just say Nick loves punting. He's a big fan. Although he is trying to replace punters with kickers, just doing both Ooh, jobs. That is but a little problem. Is that going to hurt you? No, we don't, we'll leave that part out. But do you still stand by that? I think if you're going to vote for the Ray Guy Award, Next you have question. to believe his punters as players. They matter. No comment. That's not good. Maybe not the Ray Guy Award. We can look through some awards. Maybe we'll have Bink take over. Take over what? <laughs> All the awards. That's not your decision to make. We can talk about it. No, we can't talk about it. There's nothing to talk about. I mean... Saying, Bink what do you, was, mean, you keep saying Bink, these things. We'll talk about it because we'll Bink, saying. About it. well, because Bink uh, throughout that game, even when everybody else wasn't watching, he was still texting me about that game last night. Dude, I, I was I watching you respond back. I, he didn't. We didn't. He, he didn't text bringing, me in a group was, chat. Bink was spitting facts about Stetson Bennett and others throughout the entire Bink game. Bink was texting me on the side as well. Yeah, I'm just saying he's passionate. He's locked in, no matter what the score of the game is. Mm-hmm. I think you need that kind of dedication for these kind of awards. Maybe that's why I have, dude. I have the dedication. Okay. I don't think a big if level of dedication. So. That's almost impossible. Yeah. Someone wants to know if you random question of the day. If you want to hit it, I got a quick one for you. 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I had one, but that's yeah, fine. What do you, what do you well, have for us? From the 816, you brought up the basket again. Random question. If that's the fetish. Does Cody have a basket fetish? Does anyone? Is that a thing? Dude, there's probably a fetish for There's everything. no way that's a fetish. Well, they have, you, haven't, you haven't given Google your answer. Google on your computer basket oh, fetish what? and see what comes up. Oh, boy. What? We well, I don't know. In the company Wi-Fi, about to find out some weird oh, stuff. Okay, let's see. There's no way. That's not a thing. Well, there's something called a fetish basket. <laughs> I don't think that's the same. That sounds more like a gift basket situation. Nothing and, uh, comes up other than that kind of basket. Okay. Well, then that would, you'd weird. have to be the first person in the history From, of the world then. It's kind of weird, too. Anyway. Well, that tracks. Oh, wait. It's pulling up. Oh. <laughs> be very careful with what it's you say next. putting up uh, latex mask and other latex things when I Google that. So there you go. Okay, those aren't the same. 913-586-7610 for the random question today. Brought to you by Cody the window source of Kansas City. The question I have today for is I'm going to play you an audio clip between the director and Tom Hanks having a conversation about Forrest Gump Two, that they apparently what? considered a sequel at one point. This is them describing what would have happened in the movie. What I want to know at the end of this audio clip is, are you interested? We did take a stab at talking about another Forrest Gump that lasted all of 40 minutes. I wrote the sequel, turned it in the day before 9-11. We looked at each other and said, this movie has no meaning anymore. Says, ah, guys, come on. I was going to start basically with the little boy. The little boy dies of AIDS. Lieutenant Dan gets shot. He runs for Congress and gets shot. We had him in the back of OJ's Bronco, and that he would look up occasionally. <laughs> they didn't see him in the rearview mirror. You know, he popped down. There was always some place to go. He meets on a bus, Native American woman. You're my girl. He said, I finally found my calling, and he's a bingo caller on a reservation. I like doing it so much. She taught nursery school at a government building there in Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting on the bench waiting for her to have lunch, and all of a sudden the building blows up. And anyway, so when 9-11 occurred, I think what? we felt maybe everything felt meaningless. Mama always said dying was a part of life. I wish it was. What? Obviously, there's some level what? of hyperbole. Well, I don't know if it's sad enough. Like, couldn't what? they have found any more tragic <laughs> events to incorporate into the movie? The lead line like of a, the a, kid dies of a AIDS, AIDS, AIDS like... baby dying. <laughs> What's your interest level in Forrest Gump 2? Zero. I've told you my thoughts on <laughs> Forrest Gump. Jenny is an absolute villain. She knew she had AIDS when she engaged in sexual relations with Forrest Gump, <laughs> there, thereby knowingly passing on a deadly disease to this man she purported to love. Jeez. That, where, Jenny where is a villain. Come, where did that come from? The Oh, I don't remember. Somebody had sent sent a message. Uh, I don't remember. Twitter, I think, yeah. is where the original part I saw. We from. obviously never If that needed, were the we plot of the movie, a, we never if that was the plot of a second Forrest Gump movie, would you go see it right now? <laughs> I mean, it's... He's it's, in the back of O.J.'s no, car. He's at the Oklahoma City bombing. I mean, it's the whole thing is funny now that we're looking back at the, the uh, plot that they're going for. Like, no, I would not have been interested. Okay, I assume there's some satire here. I don't know. But it's just... I like the notion of... There's there's no movie that seemed less likely to get a sequel ever hmm. than Forrest Gump. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. Right, what movie, like, name another movie, like, what, Shawshank Redemption, he's just, like, kicking it? Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense, he's got to escape a prison again? <laughs> like, there's very few movies where you're like, no sequel would ever make sense for this movie. No sequel would ever make sense for Forrest Gump. No. No. So do you not like the movie because you think Jenny's a villain, or you're just... Wait, you don't like Forrest Gump? No, oh. I love the movie, oh. I just think Jenny's a villain. That's it. 
Okay. Well, just I didn't know if there was like some deeper I mean, meaning to your issue. She with does that. just like disappear for twenty years and shows up. <laughs> yeah, to take, she's a deadbeat. Shows, she is an shows, absolute deadbeat. Shows up and lets lets him take care of her with all of his money that he's earned on his own. Oh, oh, Forrest, you made a <laughs> bunch of money. Let's have sex. I'm gonna <laughs> give you a baby and then I'm gonna die. I'm not gonna tell you about the kid uh, until he's like eight. Uh, someone says Titanic is also one we don't need a we don't need a sequel to. That'd Here's your son. I already gave maids. <laughs> Jeez. What the hell? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, I just, like, yeah, the, any, yeah, there's it, so many movies you should never make a sequel. Well, yeah, any, it is true. Any war movie and stuff yeah. like that, of course. Well, sure, like, if they're based on a historical <laughs> event, obviously the answer is that. But that's, like, a fictional movie, right? right yeah. To me, it's like Shawshank's a fictional movie. Right. The sequel to that would be, like, he got, in, he got accidentally imprisoned again. Well, I assume he's going to escape this time. That's the whole point of the surprise of that movie. Like, Forrest Gump doesn't work a second time. There's no logic in it. I like they played the music, but by the way, the video itself is like. I don't, I mean, oh, there was video to go along with it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's like them talking. It's just, it's worth, I guess, looking up if you're interested, but. That was it. I just wanted to know if you would have been interested in seeing it. It's very short, random questions. No, I, yeah, that I didn't see that video. It is almost funny at this point in time that that, that would that even existed. Like that, they said if that's true that they had a forty-minute conversation. That was forty minutes too long discussing a Forrest Gump sequel. Wait, they went 40, forty. They made a full movie talking about if they're going to make another movie. <laughs> forty minutes. He's talking about like how he, he wrote a script. But that script sounds so bad. <laughs> Think about it, though. Like, you're saying that movie sounds depressing. And then go back for a second and think about how depressing the original Forrest Gump is. Lieutenant Dan loses yeah, his exactly. legs. exactly. Why are you doubling the, down on it? Why are you like, <laughs> you Lieutenant thought, Dan loses his legs. You thought the first half of his life was hard? Like, yeah, but that's it. Forrest Gump, his best friend dies. His next best friend loses his legs in the Vietnam War and wanted to die. His lifelong love dies of AIDS. It's not a super happy movie. Exactly. So why are you like, okay, he already had a pretty sad life, but what if it were even more sad? He overcomes it. That's what people like about him. He's fine with it. He lives his life happily somehow. Like, dude, this is just, this is like, it's almost like a cartoon. Like, let's put more terrible instant, like, it wasn't <laughs> bad enough. Yeah, we know, we know the love of his What's... life died and gave his son AIDS, but let's make How many sure... times are you going to mention... Jeez. It's it's central to the movie. I know, but I, I mean, I don't know what else to say. What's the line that you say from that movie the most? Because mine is not the, the most popular. One. You want to hear? It? Mine is she tastes like cigarettes. She tasted like cigarettes. That's absolutely. My, that's the one we use. The one way more. The one I use the most. Way more. The one I use the most is I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so have you guys read the book? There's a sequel to the original book. I don't know. No, no I have not. Can't I figured that. Cody would have. What's it called? Forrest Gumpier? <laughs> I don't know. The Gumpening. It's always going to be Forrest Gump, the Gumpening. The Gumpening? <laughs> That's how dumb sequels get written all the time. <laughs> no, I've never read Forrest Gump, the book. People are sending in now other movies that yeah, should well, be sequeled. Yeah. Castaway yeah. 2? Yeah, cast away Wilson, again. Wilson, and the whole thing. He gets back on the plane. He's like, "Are that's you the kidding? Trailer. Again? No, that's the trailer." He goes, he wakes up and he's on a deserted island, and he's like, "Not again!" <laughs> but this time it's like way easier. He's like, "Well, gotta start a fire." He just like whips it together. He's just like kicking it the whole the time. The Castaway yeah. sequel is just a comedy. It's just like, the, it's actually not. Only he's is it so a much sequel. better at it. It's shocking. Yeah. 
Gone in 60 seconds, too? Gone in 55 seconds? Hmm. Gone Actually, in Gone in 60 seconds one of my favorite movies, really. It's a good movie. I really like that He gets movie. to steal that car, but not wreck it as much. Eleanor. Yeah. I like that movie a lot. If it's, it's one of those where if it's on TV randomly, which now doesn't happen as much because people are streaming, so you don't, you're not just randomly like flipping through channels anymore like you would have 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, you don't just stumble across. But before, if Gone in 60 Seconds was on Spike TV or whatever, you know, that 10 years ago. That was an automatic like, put on for yeah, you? Yeah, definitely. I'd watch, like, even in the middle of the movie, if I, or towards the end, there's like 40 minutes left. I'm like, oh, I'll watch this for 40 minutes. The best part of the movie, the final 40 minutes, they're stealing all the cars. Oh, this is another good one. How about The Seventh Sense? A sequel Jeez. to The Sixth Sense. What was the kid? Haley, the actor, Haley, Haley Joe, Joe Osmond? Same, mate, same guy who plays yeah. the AIDS baby. <laughs> How many times are you going to mention that? <laughs> the only thing he remembers from the movie. Don't put it that way, man. Jeez. My goodness. That's a random question. Tell me one other, tell me one other thing about that kid, about that character. Go ahead. Uh, Floor is yours. Someone says he was really smart and Forrest was happy. <laughs> Do you guys know how to Google? The second movie was written terribly on purpose because the screen screenwriter got bleeped on the first one. I don't even know what that means. Do you not have Google, Nick? I always liked it. It's like, do you? That's what that guy's saying. <laughs> it is nice that it changed from that. Like, do you even read a paper? It's like, I'm glad. Do you even have Google? I'm like, no, I didn't Google this before. I just thought it's funny to play that audio clip and talk about the sequel. Oh, man. <laughs> Some of the suggestions for oh, other movies. Great. That should be this is great, right? Yeah, it is. Sequel to Gone Girl? Call it Found Girl? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like she's, she's missing for a day, and he's like, oh, found her. Movie ends. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goodness. Isn't it? I feel like this was a bit on Jimmy Fallon where it was like, hashtags like movie sequels. Mm. I feel like this had to have been bad a movie sequels. Probably yeah, he sure, used to do those. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. I feel like this is probably something that he's done on his show. That's pretty funny. I wasn't planning on getting this sidetracked on that. Oh Scott yeah, book, dude. But. Okay, so the text line brings up a great point. Oh, no. Is the 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 weirdest scene in television no. history? No, is from Walker, no. Texas it's, it's Ranger. It's an incredible uh. clip. It's an incredible featuring clip. Haley Joel Osmond. <laughs> in in a in a scene where Haley Joel Osmond, get this. You You're never gonna play, believe you this. You gotta just pull it now. You You're never it gonna now. believe this. No. You gotta just pull it now. No. <laughs> there's there's no way you can just describe it. You gotta play it. That's the only Okay. It's the only It's a quick way. clip. It's a quick clip, and I will play it, but I would just say same actor who plays um mm. uh Forrest Gump's son. Mm-hmm. Who the kid in the sixth has sense. AIDS. The kid in the sixth sense. Who can see dead people? Also, uh, before any of those roles was in an episode of Walker. In an episode of Walker, Walker Texas, Texas Ranger. Ranger. And I'll just go ahead and play the clip now. It's okay, Aunt Alex. I'm a man now. Oh, thank you. That reservation still standing? Barely. And how you doing, little partner? Fine. And it's a little visitor now. Adewayoli is how you say it in Cherokee. Oh, well, pardon my French, but uh, I'll be damned. <laughs> Walker told me I have AIDS. Coming up next, <laughs> Nate Taylor will talk some Chiefs football. NFL playoff coverage on 610 Sports Radio is brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.